change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Pods Community. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. All right, Mike, another week, another Ticats victory, so we're in a good mood this week. Uh, but we got to start off as we start off every single show, which is doing another one of our t-shirt giveaways. Uh, we asked the question last week, what was the specific reason that you and I were mad that the past week's Ticats game was on a bloody Wednesday night? Other than the reason that Wednesday night games are dumb, but we had a very specific reason, Mike. What was that reason? Uh, it was the AEW Dynamite uh, Grand Slam show. Yeah, headlined. The, uh, what we the, thought, what the we, heavily anticipated. Yes, that we thought would be headlined by Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, but was actually opened by yeah. that by that match. So uh, immediately, like I guess the Ticats game would have been in what maybe the near the end of the first quarter when uh, when when mm-hmm. Dynamite kicked off, and it's like they're starting with this. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Onto the TV the match went, onto the iPad the game went, and I'm trying to keep an eye on both. Um, I think the Ticats scored their touchdown, their offensive touchdown, when I was when the, when the game was on my iPad. I, I think that that's accurate. But man, oh man, I, I don't want to delve into this being too much about the pro wrestling, but Jesus, man, that match was friggin' amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep, 30-minute Broadway. Um you know, I think that was the only way they could really do it unless there was a, some kind of funny, you know, weirdness, you know, funny ending um, interference or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, probably, the, you know, one of the best televised matches I've ever seen. That's for sure. I said it immediately on Twitter afterwards, and I, I think I stand by it for most of my life. Brett Hitman Hart has been my favorite wrestler. I think Brian Danielson has 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 topped him. Uh, maybe it's just longevity, like Brett with the injuries and uh, the post Montreal screw job. His career kind of, I don't want to say took a nosedive, but you could tell the passion wasn't there. And then with mm-hmm. you know Owen's death, you kind of just suck the life out of him. And then he gets the concussion, and then it's it's over, and you kind of don't really get to see. I figured he had a few more years left in him. We never really got to see, it, but man, what what Danielson's doing. And now with the with the scintillating matchups and, and going thirty minutes with Omega and I think you said it to me when we were because we were texting back and forth during it, it flew by. It was the fastest thirty minute match I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, they just kept the pace up the whole time, and uh, you know, it's I, I'm okay with them slowing it down a little bit, but it was just it was entertaining the whole thirty minutes. And uh, yeah, you're right, that was me that texted that. You know, it just it it flew by. It really did. Yeah, there's. I've seen a lot of dream matches. I was in the Sky Dome for The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, which is maybe my favorite match of all time because of the atmosphere. 
we're going to get so many more in, in AEW because of CM Punk and Brian Danielson jumping over. It's uh, Adam Cole as well. It's, it's, it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. It's also a fun time to be a Ticats fan. But like you said, the reason we were mad about this game being on a Wednesday was that episode of Dynamite. So let's me hit the old pick a name button and uh, we're going to find out who wins a shirt this week. All right, let me get the drum roll going. And away we go. Congratulations to... This is actually kind of apropos, given what we just talked about. Dean Cassidy. Uh, from now on, your name, sir, is going to be orange because of the AEW wrestler. <laughs> so pretty interesting. We talk about AEW and uh, a guy with the last name of one of my favorite wrestlers in AEW actually wins. So congratulations, Dean. We will be reaching out to you very shortly after the episode is posted to get your details and get a shirt sent your way. So that is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's uh, lucky it's not the actual Orange Cassidy because he, he would not care about the shirt. He probably you know? wouldn't. He'd be like, shirt, probably. cool. Yeah. With, with that half hearted thumbs up. God, I love that yes. guy. <laughs> I love the fact, speaking of loving, that the Ticats won on Wednesday night. 24 uh, 7 was the final. But man, oh man, did this not really do much for your. The CFL isn't. Had, needs more entertaining games. We got yeah. a couple later in the week, in fairness. Yep. The, the two Friday games were maybe, that was probably the yep. best night of football in the CFL we've seen all season. Yeah, especially the BC Saskatchewan game. Yeah, the ending. Yeah. I thought the Argos game, there, there were, there was, like, it came down to the end. Like, an onside kick could have decided that game. So there was, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that BC, I, I, th- I think it's fair. Um, and I'm not, I'll, I'll get your feelings on this. BC Saskatchewan game so far, best game of the year. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone better off the top of my head. Uh, I think that BC, you know, is the funnest team to watch right now. I think their offense is um, the most productive in the league. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that BC-Saskatchewan game. Yeah, Lucky Whitehead is becoming must-see television, is he not? Yeah, and you got to think that Winnipeg is kind of shooting themselves in the... I mean, just, you know, upset that they let this guy walk because... He started off hot for them in 2019, had a, a couple of big plays, and then he kind of faded away, didn't do much the rest of the season. But they're just putting him out there, and, uh, you know, they're, they're saying him, go deep. And uh, he's getting open because he's so damn fast. So the guy's a talented dude, and uh, he's fun to watch. And they they did what the Ticats, a new set of eyes on Lucky Whitehead, gave him a rejuvenated career because mm-hmm. he was kind of more, he, I know he was on the offense, but he wasn't really a focal point. With Brian Burnham in BC, he's not the number one guy, but he's a damn good number two, and he's morphed himself into a number one just yep. just with his production. So I just kind of wonder if maybe the change of scenery and a different set of eyeballs on him kind of allowed uh, coaching staff to see what he could do, similar to when Ken Austin left and, and June Jones came in and said, this Brandon Banks guy, I can make him into a receiver. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a fresh set of eyeballs on someone to really sort of unlock their full potential, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure, and it it does help that uh, Michael Riley's throwing in the ball. Yeah. No, no offense to Zach Claros, but Michael Riley, I think, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the league right now. Wow, that's pretty high praise. I I'd be hard pressed to disagree with you, but considering where uh, where he was uh, the last time we saw him play with the injuries and and getting beat up, it's it's been a nice mm-hmm. bounce back here for him. You think? Um, I mean, I guess well, you know, we're going to do some mid season stuff later, but I was going to ask if you think he's been the halfway point MOP, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Let's talk about the Ticats game first. 
this was a, a bit of a boring game. If if like I know the Ticats won, there was a handful of really exciting plays. The pick six was probably the highlight. This was this was tough, and mm-hmm. it was another one just like the Calgary game where the game plan was clearly just don't make any mistakes on offense and let this defense just kind of take over. And that's exactly what happened. The Red Black scored seven. It came on special teams, not on defense. I'm just looking at the numbers here, and it's pretty incredible how – like, the, the the Red Blacks had 189 yards of total offense. Like, the Tigers didn't have much more with 222, but 10 first downs? Like, I think there was something like eight, nine, two and outs. Like, this this Cats defense, and we said it, I said it last week, and I, I want to stand by it, and I want to reiterate it. If not for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I think more people will be talking about how good this Cats defense is. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we know it's Ottawa that they're playing, but uh, it doesn't matter. They they play who they get put, you know, who, who the you team can't, in front you of can't, them is. You can't choose who's on your schedule. So yeah, exactly, and I think that each week they keep getting better and better and better. Um, they're healthy now, and uh, yeah, they're they're one of the top three defenses in the league right now for sure. And the thing is, like, this was a team playing its fourth game in seventeen days, its second mm-hmm. game in five days. Like, there was every reason against a team that was coming off a bye. Like, all of these things kind of led up to me idiotically on three down picking Ottawa to win. I just thought this, the deck was so stacked against Hamilton that if, if Ottawa was going to win a game, it was going to be something like this where the other team is starting its third string quarterback doesn't have essentially, although we can't really say for, for Posey, but I think fair to say their top three receivers heading into the season weren't there. They're missing their starting right tackle. Who was the reigning top uh, offensive lineman the last time a full season was played. There was every they, they can't really run the ball to speak of no matter who they put back there. There was every reason to believe that this this had the makings of an upset. And the Ticats came out and didn't look great, um, but they forced turnover. Like offensively, it it's this this type of offense can't win, can't sustain. Like you're not beating BC or Winnipeg or Saskatchewan mm. with an offense like this, right? Like no, but you. Sadly, and this speaks to Ottawa, you can, you can beat the Red Blacks with an offense like this. Now, it also helps that you get touchdowns on defense as well. Like, the Ticats defense has scored three times in the last four games and had back-to-back weeks with a pick six. So it's like that kind of – that really helps when things are, like, kind of rolling defensively that the offense just knows. And, and credit to David Wofford. Like, I, he didn't have a great game, 15-25 for 115 yards and a touchdown pass. He didn't make the big mistake. Like, and that was always my concern after Evans got hurt is that, okay, Watford, an inexperienced, like as much as he had CFL experience, he doesn't have starting experience. These were his last two games were his first two career starts. You worry that a quarterback might try to do a little too much. And maybe the training wheels were on him for this, but they did enough offensively against a really bad Ottawa team that, like, maybe this is okay. This was, again, not entertaining football in the least, but they executed the game plan that they put in mm-hmm. place that, and they won the game handily. Like this was really never in doubt. Yeah. I think it was 14, nothing at one point it was over. Yeah. With, with all these injuries on offense, I'm not, I'm not expecting entertaining football mm-hmm. offensively. I'm just, I'm just not in that. That's, that's not what they're doing. I mean, they ran the ball the second, second game in a row, they ran the ball more than they passed the ball. Mm-hmm. So that just never happens 
uh, with the Ticats. So, um, yeah, their game plan was, you know, ball control. And that's what they did. I mean, they didn't, David Watford didn't throw any interceptions again. Um, they just ran the ball. They played it safe. And they, they counted on the defense to uh, pick up the slack. And that's exactly what happened. So um, I'm okay with them not being entertaining while all these players are injured. I'm just happy that we got the win and we've gotten, you know, four to five or three out of four or whatever it is. And, and uh, you know, once the, once the injured players come back, hopefully we can start, you know, seeing some more entertaining football. What was the tweet we got mid-game? Something about the starting defense had played 11 quarters together, had allowed like mm. 32 points, had forced 12 turnovers and had three touchdowns. Like that is stupidly incredible number like it, it that's almost unfathomable to, to, to think you know what i mean yeah yeah it's a, it's quite the feat i'm trying to find it here but uh, it's probably buried pretty deep in our replies yeah. especially because we got tagged every time we get tagged in a post on three down our mentions just go absolutely insane uh-huh. which yeah, hey, so. I, I, i'm not mad at that like like you know no, no, no. the it's engagement's good. awesome good. but it's just we get we get tagged in all those tie cat posts, and we're going to talk about why we were. I get, we won't mention that we were tagged, but we'll talk about what's going on with, with why we were. But yeah, it just makes our makes those mentions just go absolutely insane. Yeah, so it was sent by Adam Stalker, uh, or I think, who? I think, who I think we need to make him like our official stats guy because he yeah, he's the guy that used yeah. to give us all the over unders. We didn't do it this mm-hmm. year, but um, I'm sure once we get back to a full season, we'll we'll get him to do it again next year. But he's always coming with the numbers, and it's it's. He's really adding a lot. He's almost like the unsung yeah. third man of the show. Yeah, let's put him on the payroll. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it says the starting defense has played 11 quarters together. They have allowed 36 points, 14 in garbage time, forced 12 turn- turnovers, and have scored three touchdowns. So they're balling out. They that really are. Is... I'm, I'm, I'm speechless thinking of, like, that's that's just insane to think of. Yeah, they're... Uh... They're really helping out this team. They're keeping them uh, in the hunt. You know what I mean? I mean, not that the Eastern teams are really pulling away or anything, but um, with all these injuries, you know, you know, our two starting quarterbacks down, our our three best receiver, our three starting like top three receivers out. Um, you would expect that we would have more losses than wins, but uh, the defense has really, really done helped out this team. Yeah, for sure, and. It's with everyone seemingly getting healthy. Um, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. I think these guys can go on a run. I, I really, truly do. I, I think the East is there for the taking. Like if you look at the standings because of the head-to-head with the Argos, uh, based on right now, point differential, they played two games, but the Ticats uh, and Argos split, but the Ticats scored more points in their victory than, they, than the Argos did. Um, they're sitting in first place. And if you'd have told me at the beginning of the season, hey, you're losing Mazzoli, you're losing Evans, you're losing Banks, you're losing Addison, you're losing Posey, hmm. you're losing Chris Van Zyl, uh, the offensive line is going to be just a shambles. Um, you're going to have Dylan Wynn miss time. You're going to have Ted Laurent miss time. You're going to have Jagarrett Davis miss time. You're going to have Cariel Brooks miss time. You're going to have Tunde. Like, all these things didn't happen at once, but over the course of the season, if you'd have told me all those things happened in the first seven games and they're still sitting in first place, I'd ask what you're on because I would have thought that that wasn't possible. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive stuff right there. They really, you know, and it hasn't been pretty, but they really kept it, kept it together and kept it rolling, you know, when uh, everything seems to be falling apart. So good on them for that. Um. I got to be honest with you. I don't know what else to really talk about. You like 
special teams. The, the kicking game was was a mess again today, or uh, in the game on Wednesday. Uh, other than that, I don't really know what else there is to really kind of talk about from this one. This was this was maybe the most uneventful football game I've ever watched. Yeah, it. Uh, I and I remember at the start of the game, I saw the rain coming down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just like, man, this this already had the potential to be an all time worst, you know, yeah. uh, game in history. And and now you add the rain to it, a downpour of rain, and uh, yeah, that's what we got. It's just, I mean, we could talk about how horrible the Ottawa Red Bulls are. Um, they just they're just a lost team right now. There's no uh, potential in them whatsoever this year. It, it, it's done for them. And then now they have. They're both both their quarterbacks are out now too. I don't think they'll be playing the next game. They're both in the uh, sixth game. They had to bring in, yeah, they had to bring in Nate Bahar to be the quarterback for a little bit, um, which was pretty um, not a good look. Um, but yeah, they just they are not a good. Team. How far they have fallen to like two seasons ago, three years, but two seasons ago, they were in the Grey Cup. And then yep. you just watch all of those guys leave. You know what I mean? Like, do you lose? I know you're not big on Trevor Harris, but he, they lose him. They lose Greg Ellingson. Like, you just watch all of these guys just walk out. And good God, it's just it's terrible. It's they're. I almost feel bad for for Ottawa fans with how bad that team is. Yeah, it's you know it's all on. Marcel over yep. there. I mean, he had a, a good squad three years ago. Um, he let a lot of guys leave. He didn't replace them with anybody. Um, players leave, and they have bad things to say about Marcel and the organization. So, uh, you know, I don't like to see anyone lose their job. You know, it's uh, it's coming, I think. And if it's not, I don't know what they're doing. I don't think you could sell that fan base on another year of Marcel Desjardins as a general manager. I think no. because no. he's made a head coaching change. Very yeah. much so. But I think because he's made a head coaching change, I think he's run out of excuses. They needed to maybe not make the playoffs, but if they – because here's the thing. If you're – what are they, one and five, one and six? If you're If you're that bad but you're in games, like, there's that's different to me. Like – Maybe a couple bounces go the right way. Okay, we're talking about a team that's that's actually competing. Instead, these guys just look lost. And I think Paul Lapolis is a good coach, but I'm starting to question whether or not this was the right gig for him. I think we talked about it last week. Maybe he would have been better off waiting a year mm-hmm. um, for another job to open or take – I don't know. It just – you see what Winnipeg's doing – and I think it might have taken a little bit of the luster off what he brought to that offense, seeing them kind of hum along with without him just just fine. I just I don't know what the answer is in auto. Like they don't have a quarterback, and I guess they're going to get one of Evans or Mazzoli. But if you don't have any talent around a guy, it doesn't matter who. The, look, you talked about Michael Riley. Look at what happened with him in BC when he couldn't stay upright. Yeah, he couldn't do anything. He he looked like. He looked as bad as, as Nichols and, and Davis have, quite frankly. He was not a good quarterback in 2019 because he was just getting hit so much. I I don't know what the – but there's I don't think there's any way that that team can go into 
this offseason and tell that fan base that, hey, we're sticking with Desjardins, I think there'll be a, a revolt. I, I really do. I think that they have mm-hmm. they've run out of patience. And they had so much success so early that I do wonder if this kind of goes sideways, if, if all those people that kind of hopped on the bandwagon when this thing was fresh and new, if they find something else to – to glom onto because if these guys are bad for a long time, I think it's going to be hard to kind of win these fans back. And if they bring Desjardins back, I think people will leave in droves. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, you know, the Ottawa fan base is, is a supportive bunch, but if things are going bad, they will let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're one of the quickest fan bases to boo the quarterback when he's not performing well. So they're a passionate bunch. Um, and yeah, I just, I just can't, I think that this team is in for a, uh, a full rebuild, and I know that rebuilds is a you know they you don't really use that word in the CFL because you can bounce back pretty quickly. But um, I think they're going to have to. Uh, it might take a couple years for this team to get back on track. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I I just I don't see anything in Ottawa that would if I'm a, if I'm a Red Blacks fan, I don't know what I'm latching onto as sort of. No. Well, here's the okay. We're terrible, but there's this. There's there's nothing. There, it's yeah. it's just it's just it's miserable there. I mean, which is you know, in the selfish aspects of it, it's good for us as Ticat fans because it's one less team to worry about chasing you for a playoff spot. But I don't know. I, I would rather them if they're going to lose. Like, yes, I want them to go. I want Ottawa. I want every all eight other teams to go winless every year, and the Ticats to go undefeated. I know that's. literally impossible but that's what i want to see i would at least like ottawa to be competitive like at least it's it's fun when it's a close game but Mm -hmm. just watching like oh like i i i turned the wrestling show off after the open because brian omega opened the show and i turned the match off i once that match in i was like okay i'll watch tycat's game i'll watch it later but halfway through i think i text you i was like man i wish i would have the wrestling on because this game stinks and a lot of that was because ottawa was just like I'm, I'm gonna look it up. I got the stats here. I think it was something like ten two and outs. I don't think the Ticats. I think the Ticats might have beat that. I think they might have had eleven two and outs. Ele- oh, Ottawa had eleven. Oh, did Hamilton? Have- oh yeah. Well, well, well yeah, because they had that went that entire third quarter without a first down. Yeah. Which was that was bad. Yeah, it was. This game was bad. It was a bad game. There's, there's no, yep. you know, putting lipstick on this big. This was just a bad football game. No. But the Ticats win. So, so we're happy. We move along. Yeah. Yes. Um, before we move on to something else, we do have to hand out a player of the week. It's really tough to hand out a player of the week in a game that's this bad. But there was one player that definitely stood out for us. Mike, get, let everyone know who that was. That was Mr. Jamal Roll. Uh, you know, it, he, he, had a, he had a good game. Um, obviously, the big play, the big pick six, which was beautiful. He jumped that route. He knew it was coming. Uh, uh, took it all the way back to the end zone. So... Um, in a game where not a lot of individual players stood out, Jamal Roll did, and he's our Podski player of the game. Yeah, very, very, very deserving. Um, points were at a premium in this one, and to get a pick six, which essentially iced the game. I think, mm. it, not that anyone took their foot off the pedal or anything, but after that, with the rain coming down, it was it was, it was was pretty much a fait accompli that Ticats were going to win that one. So uh, I, I felt yeah. once that happened, I felt pretty relaxed the rest of the night. Yeah, and it was funny at, at halftime. I said on the Podski account, uh, you know, we're up fourteen points and we allowed zero points. I'm pretty happy. And then there was a couple of Ticat fans who were like, "Well, we left points off the board," and you know, and I didn't say anything, but I was <laughs> thinking, guys, 
they're not coming back. Okay. No. The red, just the, what we've seen so far. I know Matt Nichols came in and actually put, you know, a pretty good drive together. Um, before something happened, I think he got, yeah, he got injured. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, you know, this team wasn't coming back. So, uh, I wouldn't, I was not worried about that. No, 14, nothing, 20, 14, nothing. I felt fairly comfortable. 21 nothing. I was like, there's there's zero chance yeah. the Red Blacks are scoring three touchdowns. There's there that's this is over. 14 nothing. I was still like, well, you know, things can happen, but and then we saw like the special teams return. Like if that would have happened at 14 nothing to make a 14 seven, well then yeah, then the old story. then the old butt cheeks get a little clenched. But yes, that happened, and the, the offense was sputtering at the time, so you're you're a little nervous, but it's still like. Well, they're going to have to get like three more returns for this to really make a difference, and mm-hmm. you knew that wasn't going to happen. So, no. no, this was um, this was this was a bad game. But the Ticats got the win. It's now in our, our rearview mirror, so uh, we can move on. Not a whole heck of a lot to talk about league wide or or Ticat specific. There's one piece of news that we'll talk about when we talk about our game preview because they kind of flow nicely together. Um, but I thought, given that the Ticats, we talked discussed the Ticats last week, kind of at around the midway point of the season. We are now officially at the midway point of the season. And I kind of want to talk about stuff league-wide. Um, is there anything after seven games from each team that kind of sticks out to you? Is there any sort of narratives or or trends that you've noticed throughout the season? Uh, any players that have taken you by surprise, maybe either good or bad? Like, just How have you felt about the first half of, this, of the 2021 CFL season? Well, I think that uh, the BC Lions offense is, like I mentioned earlier, um, not necessarily surprised me because I picked them to be a really good team this year, and I, I believe you did as well. But, um, you know, Lucky Whitehead is uh, is a pleasant surprise. You know, a really exciting player that's you tune into the game and you're you know, pretty much every game he's, he's uh, you know, ripping off a huge play for a touchdown. Um, like early in the game on the weekend, he had a... He had a pass to the, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, and he took it 50, 60 yards for a touchdown. So um, the bounce back of Michael Riley and the BC Lions has been impressive to watch. Um, on the other end, the Edmonton Elks, uh, I had high expectations for them, and they have not played well, um, especially at home. Uh, and Trevor Harris, I picked you to be MOP. No, that's not going to happen. It's <laughs> um, definitely not going to happen. And uh, he might be coming back soon, but I think Cornelius will be the starting quarterback tomorrow against that god-awful Ottawa team. And if they lose that game, whew, there's going to be hell to pay in Edmonton. Um, oh, if Edmonton you know, loses... It's, it's in, it's, no, it's in Ottawa, isn't it? Ottawa, yeah. If, oh, they already lost to Ottawa. If they lose again to Ottawa, I would fire everybody. With the yeah. way Ottawa's... Because yeah. Ottawa's starting... Ottawa's starting a rookie quarterback, and their backup quarterback is a rookie quarterback. I said to a guy at work today, I was like, you want to make some money gambling? Go go find all, all of the prop bets for Ottawa this week and take the under on every single one of them. You'll make a mint. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be funny if the rookie comes in and lights it up. You know? Oh, my God. I, I would, I would if, if I was an Elks fan and we get lit up by Caleb Evans and this terrible Ottawa team, I would burn all my gear. Yeah, it'd be un- unacceptable yeah. um, loss right there. But, uh, yeah, they've let me down. Calgary's been a, you know, I know I predicted them to downfall. but Still surprising, you know, though, right? Still surprising, right? Yeah, the the play of Bo Levi Mitchell, and, you know, that could be because of injury or whatever. But, 
if he's still injured and he can't perform, he shouldn't have came back early, right? So um, maybe I'll just go through the all. Yeah, Winnipeg. Um, <laughs> I thought they had, they were going to, you know, losing some key pieces. Chris Trevler, you know, that he was a big part of their offense. Paul Apolise. Uh, there, there were some guys that that left. Lucky Whitehead, um, and I thought that they would uh, kind of fade away and not be that top team. But they've been tremendous so far. That defense has really helped out, and I think their offense is starting to starting to roll. Um, and Montreal, I'll end it on Montreal. Uh, Brendan Adams, disappointing, disappointing. This guy has all the potential in the world to be a star quarterback in the CFL, and he's just not. His decision-making has been poor. Um, he's been up and down. Sometimes he looks good. Sometimes he looks atrocious. So, I, you know, I thought Montreal would be up there, you know, right with the Ticats. And uh, they just haven't shown me that they can be a first-place or second-place team in this league. Yeah, so I think we both kind of missed on the Owls. And, and Adams, I thought Adams was a dark horse MOP candidate. Do you remember when we were talking, I think we were texting back and forth, uh, maybe end of July, beginning of August about all the, like the season long, like the player awards bets. And I was like, Oh, Boa tank for, for uh, most outstanding Canadians, like a plus 1200. And, and Adams was at like plus 25 for MOP. And I was like, those are some pretty, that's some pretty juicy odds. And thinking like Adams in particular, I thought was, that was a legit dark horse candidate for, for most outstanding player. And he's just been so erratic. He reminds me a lot of early starting Jeremiah Mazzoli. Uh, Like the season when he came in for Caleros, when Zach was still on the team and he was hurt coming off the ACL injury. And, and Mazzoli started that first, I think it was six games. They went three and three. That was when he had the, the game where he, he threw the most consecutive completions in a game, and but he also had a couple of bad games. Like he was very up and down, and it was it was, I would think from an outsider's perspective, a little exciting to watch because you never know what could happen. From a from a fan of the team's perspective, it was kind of infuriating. I kind of get the same thing with Adams. He seems like you never know, kind of, and maybe this is almost like supercharged version. You never know one series to the next what you're going to get from him. Like it seems no. like he's he'll do some things like that just blow your mind. And then the opposite, he'll do things that just make you shake your head. Like there was an interception in this game against the Argos where I'm just like, he's, he's backpedaling. He's on his back foot and he just kind of throws it up there. And it's like, what are you doing? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost as if he trusts his, like he's got tremendous physical traits. He's one of the most athletic, talented individual players we've seen up here in quite some time. But he hasn't been able to put it all together. And, like, I know the Owls in this last game kind of made it close there, but it was it was kind of all Argos. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of on the same page when it comes to Adams. A couple other things I, that I think I got wrong that I, I think I'm free to admit, Cody Fajardo has been better than I thought he would be. I still don't think he's in the upper tier of quarterbacks. I think his numbers are good, but I think he's still – and he's got room to grow, obviously, but I, I thought that he would actually just completely crap the bed, and I, I saw I was dead wrong on that. Uh, I still don't think he's an MOP candidate, but that that's my I just I think there's other guys out there that are that are more deserving. And the, I think the Argos are a little bit better than I thought they would be. Um and weirdly enough, it's because of guys that we didn't talk about. It was it's not all of the big names that they brought in. It's I mean, I think McLeod Bethel Thompson has looked better at quarterback than Nick Arbuckle has. 
um, what's it, Sean Oakman, I think his name is, um, mm-hmm. defensive lineman, has looked absolutely phenomenal. Looked like their best their best defensive lineman, and that's a defensive line that has Charleston Hughes and, and a bunch of NFL guys that they brought in. Um, but with the Argos, and it's something I think we brought up maybe week two, week three, they felt like a team that was always going to be around 500, and they've literally gone one win, one loss, one like. They have no two-game losing streaks, no two-game winning streaks. It's literally been win-loss, 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 win. You know what I mean? So they feel to me like they're a team that's going to finish 7-7. Seven and seven. So 8-6 and six feels like it's going to win this division. Um, and the Stampeders, I thought that they would go to the Great Cup, and they probably won't make the playoffs. I said I would I would wait until Calgary was – until you proved to me that Calgary's not Calgary anymore, I'm not betting against them. I guess it's fair now to bet against them because they've looked – even in the game that they've been in, they haven't looked very good. Bo looks off. I don't know if it's injury-related or what, but he just doesn't look like the player he used to be. And the Stamps just look like I don't. I can't recall the last time we've seen a Stampeders team look this discombobulated. They just don't seem to be on the same page. And we always praised how they could, no matter who they lost, they could always bring other guys in. And this seems to be – like that comes to an end for, for everyone at some time. And it, it looks like that's kind of come to an end for Calgary this year. So those are kind of my yeah. like midseason takeaways on, on some things I got wrong. And and, I, and I'm, I'm – the one thing I did get right is I was very high on BC. I had them finishing second in the West. I still think that's a possibility. Um, so, I mean, I guess we, we kind of both see, saw the bounce back in BC happening. But other than that, it's been uh, it's been kind of a humbling first, uh, first seven weeks of the season. Yeah, some things I uh, got right, and uh, some things I was just way, way off on, like the Trevor Harris stuff. But you know, one more thing on Vernon Adams is that, like, he this the town around him is exceptional. You know, oh the, yeah, they one of the best the, receiving cores in the league. Yeah, and uh, you know, the leading rusher in the league right now. When yep. you stand back, the offensive line has given up um, the least number of sacks in the league, at least at the start of the game this weekend. That was the that was the stat. So he has all the talent in the world. He has a good coaching staff. Um, you know, Kari Jones is a good young coach. So he has all the opportunities, and he's just not taking taking it right now, uh, grabbing the, the brass ring. So um, that's unfortunate for him, and maybe he turns around the second half of the season, but I have not been impressed with him so far. Yeah, he's playing too much hero ball. You know what I mean? Like. I yeah. think he's trying to do too much, and he doesn't have to. He doesn't no, have to. he doesn't have to. Like when you have B.J. Cunningham and you have Geno Lewis and Quan Bray and Jake Weineke. Jake Weineke mm-hmm. might be one of the five best receivers in the CFL right now. Like he's yep. been absolutely, and it's not just the miraculous catches he makes. He's just been tremendous. Like he's a guy that I think we don't talk enough about, like league wide, as one of the best players in the league. He has been absolutely phenomenal. Um. And like you mentioned, William Stanback leads the league in rushing. Will probably lead the league in rushing by the like. There's no reason for him to have to go out there and feel like he's got to do it all himself. Like he's got the talent around him. It just, uh, it's just not all coming together. And Montreal looks like it's it's going to be. I still think they're going to be a playoff team. I really do. But it's it's going to be a fight. I thought they'd be fighting with the Ticats for uh, for first place, and it looks like instead they're going to be fighting with Edmonton and Calgary to to get the third spot in the East. It's uh that's not exactly where I pictured them being um, to start the season. Speaking of the East, I, I do want to touch on kind of the Hamilton and Toronto of it all. We talked about Montreal. I think we can dismiss Ottawa. I mean, they're probably, what, two or three weeks away from 
from starting Duck Hodges. And as someone who watched him play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I can tell you he ain't it. I, I remember he melted down in a game against the, a, a decent but not great Bills team on Sunday Night Football two years ago, uh, throwing four picks. It's people, they, they kept talking about him on the broadcast, and it's like – I think I even I said it to you. Like I think that people at TSN are hoping that no one remembers or saw him play when he was playing for the Steelers in yeah. 2019 because if they were, they would not be at all impressed with this guy. Like he never he never threw for more than like 220 yards in a game. Never had multiple touchdowns in a game. Like he's just and maybe he comes to the CFL and lights it up. Who knows? But you, you kind of get an idea of of who guys are when you see them playing. And watching him play for the Steelers, I just remember the the, the game against the Bills where he just like gave that game away and again I think the Bills ended up winning like 16-10 and this wasn't the Bills team like this wasn't last year's Bills team that was tremendous it was the year before where they were just okay they made the playoffs but they weren't a great team um I mean I, I yeah I'm pretty sure the final was like 16-17-10 so it's like the game was there if not for all those interceptions so if you're an Ottawa fan and think that the Duck is going to come in and save your bacon you're delusional <laughs> but it looks like it's going to come down to the Argos and the Ticats for first and east yeah yeah I, I would presume that as well um, you know, who do you, who do you have? Gonna... Who who do you lean towards? Like, let, let's take the fandom out of it, and maybe that's going to be difficult to do. I lean towards the Tie Cats. I think, I think the schedule is is fairly not easy, but I think it's it's very um, inviting for them to get a, a bunch of wins. I think they're going to get healthy as the weeks go by. I think that there's something to be said for having been there before. This is a team that has most recently was in the Grey Cup and was the best team in the league. So I lean slightly towards the Tigers. Like, obviously, you know, if injuries continue to pile up and guys don't come back, that could change. I'm leaning slightly towards the Cats getting first in the East, but I think the Argos are going to make it interesting. I think that, that, what are they, I think they play the second to last week of the season in Toronto. I think that could be the game that, that potentially decides the division. So I think it's going to be close, but I lean towards the Cats. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to lean towards the Ticats as well. You know, with all these injuries, if, you know, if we get some guys back, um, we'll be the better team, uh, just overall. Uh, I think that our defense is better. Uh, I think uh, the offense has the potential to be better. Uh, you know, if they, it all depends on the offensive line too. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been hiding, you know, the pass protection hasn't really uh, been a thing in the last two games. I mean, they haven't really thrown the ball that much, and and when they have, it's been quick, you know, out of the out of the hand of the the, the quarterback really quickly. So um, if they can incorporate when when they get healthy, they incorporate you know this run game because I think the run game is going to be huge uh, for them when they get healthy. I think they have to run the ball with this offensive line. So if they can do that, uh, they get healthy. I think they'll be the uh, front runner in the East. I don't normally care about power rankings and I don't normally get my dander up when it comes to like where teams are ranked. Like it's fodder. It's fun. It's for people to debate. And I'm not discluding three down. Cause I, I got a gripe with the most recent ones we put out. How does anyone have the Argo in a power ranking situation? How does anyone have the Argos ahead of the tie cats? Because the Argos are the very definition of inconsistent. Like I said, win one week, lose the next. Hamilton, with all their injuries, have won four of their last five. Like, I keep seeing people – I think I saw Derek Taylor put out a thing saying it's a four-team race for the Grey Cup, and those four teams were Winnipeg, BC, Saskatchewan, and Toronto. 
Like, in what universe are the Argos considered that much above? I, I just don't understand where where anyone can come from saying the Argos are that much better than Hamilton. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, I, I, it doesn't make much sense to me either, really. I mean, the, the Argos are pretty healthy on, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they've done some good things offensively. Uh, they've looked better offensively than the Ticats, but you have to put into consideration that, you know, the pretty the whole team is injured right now, it seems. So, um, you know, if I were making power rankings, I'd definitely have the Ticats ahead of the Argonauts. Not by much, but I'd have them ahead. And here's the thing, too. The the one loss the Ticats have in the last five games was to the Argos, sure. It came in a game that Dane Evans got hurt in. All those players we talked about being injured weren't playing in that game. And the Argos won because of a missed extra point. Like mm-hmm. now, I'm not saying they wouldn't have won if the extra point was made, but it puts the it puts the outcome in doubt. It's the, there's no guarantee yeah. the Argos would have won, and all those injuries and a missed extra point is what separates these two teams. Like that's what separates the Argos from being three and four and the Ticats five and two. Like, well, it, it tells you something that an injured team like the Ticats can go into to Toronto Bimo Field. Yep, and uh, you know stick with them the whole game and have a chance to take it to overtime. Uh, it says a lot. It says a lot about our defense, and it says a lot about the Argonauts too. I think. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not buying that the Argos are the team to beat in the East right now. I think they're going to be a good team. I think it's going to be if it ends up being the East final. I think that'll be one heck of an East final. But I think it'll be played here in Hamilton. I don't think the Ticats are going on the road in the playoffs, quite frankly. And with everyone getting healthy, and I mean, with, presumably with everyone getting healthy. I just I think this team is finally starting to retake that momentum that they had in 2019, and I think that I think the defense this year is better than the defense was two years ago. And if the offense ever catch, if the offense gets to league average, this team is borderline unstoppable with how good the defense mm-hmm. is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, I hate to keep coming back to it, but. Uh... We have to see the offensive line uh, when Chris Van Zyl comes back. I don't know how long, much longer it's going to be, but, um, you know, they've done a good job in the running game. You know, not a great job. I mean, the numbers aren't jump leaping off the page, but they've, they've done enough in run blocking to, uh, you know, put some points on the board for this team. So I'm hoping when they come back, they will be a cohesive unit and uh, we'll be able to protect Jeremiah Mazzoli and, you know, because Mazzoli didn't look good early on in the season, but we know what what a talented guy he is, and we know if he has the protection, he can be a really effective quarterback. So if we can get some of that, um, we can get the offensive ro- offense rolling, and uh, I think we'll be okay. I mean, show me a quarterback that's looked good against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense, and and then I'll, I'll worry yeah. about Jeremiah yeah. Mazzoli, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then he got banged up in the game against Saskatchewan. So, I mean, out... Yeah. out yeah, and you can't take away the first two weeks, but since the defense has been healthy, they've, they've been outstanding. So they haven't allowed 20 points in the game yet. And then if you're not allowing 20 points in the game, you're going to win most of the games you play because your offense is probably going to score 21. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't the way I, the defense is going, they'll probably score seven. Well, that's just know, it. The course. offense will only have to score 14. Like, if, if the yeah. offense only has to score like 17 points to win a game because the defense is only allowing 15 and they're scoring themselves, you're going to win yeah. almost every game you play. Yep. Um, okay, last thing before we move on to the game preview, just something fun. Who's been your midseason MLP? 
I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Michael Riley. Um, you know, he's uh, might not be the popular pick. I know uh, Willie Jefferson is a popular pick. Um, even Simone Lawrence might be up there. But I just think that the way that Michael Riley has bounced back from the 2019 season has been really impressive. And, you know, the BC Lions are, are an entertaining team to watch, so that makes me happy. I got Lucky Whitehead. Oh, there you go. I think we're talking about, I think uh, Michael Riley's been the most valuable player this year. I think, and and I will not, I'm not quibbling. If the MOP is a quarterback award, so chances are if both these guys end up having tremendous seasons, Riley's going to get the nod. And I think right now Riley is is definitely in the conversation. I would probably have him at number a uh, number two. If I was if there was a ballot where you could rank guys, he's probably number two on my list. But Lucky White has just been so dynamic and yeah. so much fun to watch. And and I just think he's added so much like he wasn't with BC in twenty nineteen. You add him this year and you look how that offense just goes com- like it just mm. takes it to another level. He's been so yeah, fun to watch. You take a guy like Deron Carter out of there, you know, yeah. a guy that um has tremendous talent, but uh you know, not a good attitude. It, it seemed, you know, you'd watch him and he just didn't give full effort on every play. And they, they, I remember watching those games in 2019. They were not throwing the ball to him, like, at all. Um, so it's funny how he can be, like, the best receiver in the league and then nobody wants him. Mm. So, and then they put a guy like Lucky Whitehead in there who's happy to be there. Um, you know, and it seems like every time he touches the ball, something exciting is going to happen. So, um yeah, I like that pick as well. Yeah, when when it comes to most outstanding, like the, the, what what stands yeah. out to me is the, is the word outstanding. Like, and I just think he's been the one player that's been must see TV the entire season. Mm-hmm. Every time he plays, I want to watch him play, and that tells. And because he does, not because he's just exciting, but because he always does something that breaks the game open. I think he leads the league in receiving yards, which would be. Yep. Insane! To, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, halfway through the season, Lucky Whitehead would be the league leading receiver, I'd have called you crazy. So, I think I think for that reason and and, and many others, I think he's he's my deserve he's my pick for MOP. But I, I can't really I can't really fight you on Michael Riley. It's a, that's a great pick as well. They should market the hell out of that guy in BC. You know what I mean? Just oh, Lucky Whitehead, know. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just let it be known that this guy is a player that you, you want to you know pay the price of admission to watch. Yeah. What 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 differentiates him from a guy like Tyreek Hill? You know what I mean? Like same sort of skill set, speed, mm-hmm. to big plays. Like you can market a guy like Tyreek Hill. You can market a guy like Lucky Whitehead. He's he should be on billboards in BC with highlights running, showing you that if you want to watch local football that's out of this world, here's the guy you want to come and see. He's worth he's worth the price of admission alone because he's going to do yes. one thing a game that's going to make you stand out of your seat and go, holy crap. Absolutely. Yeah. Dynamic player. Yeah. Yeah. Wish he was with the Ticats. Um, <laughs> that's what we need. Another receiver, right? Right. Yeah. We'll just four offensive linemen, seven receivers. That's how, that's how, there that's how go. the team should, that's yeah. how the team New should play. New offensive formation here. We're, yeah. we're creating it on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk about this week's upcoming game. The Ticats kind of had a bit of a mini bye week. They played on Wednesday in Ottawa and then don't play again until this upcoming Saturday. Yeah. It's a Saturday game. Saturday afternoon game against Montreal. So they had 10 days off between games, which couldn't have come at a better time with all the injuries uh, and having played four games in 17 days. We know one guy that might be returning to the lineup. We just saw today uh, our, our good buddy John Hodge at Three Down Nation broke the news that 
Braylon Addison is going to be removed from the six-game injury list and will likely practice with the Ticats when they take the field for the first time since the game in Ottawa tomorrow morning. That is a major sigh of relief for me over here. Getting Addison back in the lineup after dealing with a knee injury for the first six weeks of the season, seven, or for, I guess, first eight weeks of the season for seven games. This would be a huge addition to the Ticats offense, would it not? Yeah, it would. The, the guy is a, is a baller, and, you know, we saw what he could do in 2019. Um, he's just, he's a dependable guy that you can look to. You know what I mean? And we'd love to have Banks back. We'd love to have Posey back. But if we have one of those guys, it's it's good that uh, Addison comes back. We can see him for the first time in over you know, almost two years. So, yeah, I think it's a huge addition, and uh, he should help out a lot. Um, you know, I, I, the funny thing is, like, I, I thought Jalen Acklin would have been a focal point, you know, with all these injuries, he would have been the number one guy. But it seems to, they seem to have gotten away from him a little bit. But maybe this will help him out, you know. The Braylon Addison, maybe it'll take some attention away, and uh, you know, Akron will be able to get open and make some big plays. Well, I mean, it doesn't help that the team's thrown for like 260 yards in the last two games to like that's true. That you know what I mean? True. And I, and Acklin was the I think he was the team's leading receiver in the last game, but I think he had like two catches for 44 yards or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. but he yeah. was the team's leading receiver. So, I mean, when you complete 15 passes and you can complete them with like right. seven different receivers. There's only so many to go around, you know. But I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised that he didn't like at the start of the season. He started really well. I think he had a, like back to back like 90 yard games or something. But yeah, he hasn't uh, exploded as you would have thought. With but then again, maybe teams are taking him away because he's the veteran in the group now, and yeah. they're they're saying, yep. okay, we'll take him away. You, the rest of the guys can be you. I just the return of Addison is it just opens up this offense. Remember what we saw from him in 2019. There were wildcat formations. He was running the ball. Like, I think he had something like almost 300 yards rushing on the season in 2019. So they can just do so many different things with him in there that I think it just opens up the offense even more. Um, the, the, there's the likelihood. I, I can't say for sure, but it, it's likely that Jeremiah Mazzoli could start this game uh, coming off the, the rib injury. I think given the time off, uh, he. I mean, he's been on the roster as the backup quarterback the last two weeks. So if right. he's healthy enough to dress – in, in case of emergency, I think giving him nearly two weeks now since the last game, I think he, he it's likely that he's he's going to be back. Can't say for certain, but I, I got the sense from from kind of listening to to the team after the game that, that it felt like Watford got these two, and because the games were on such short rest that they weren't going to rush Mazzoli back now that they've had time. So you get Mazzoli back, you get Addison back. We'll find out about any of the other injured guys. This defense is playing – top-notch football um we know how erratic montreal can be when when it's offensively like you can force vernon adams into mistakes if they Mm -hmm. do that in this one if vernon adams has or if montreal in general has multiple turnovers the ticats are going to win this one very easily but it could still be a game i I still think montreal's been up and down there's always the possibility that adams goes out there and absolutely lights it up but with this defense playing the way it is, I would be hard pressed to find a way that Montreal is going to going to be able to move the ball. The last time we saw them play, they couldn't run it to save to save their lives. William Stanback had his worst game of the season against these guys. It, it's with with the time off, with the guys coming back from from injury, with the defense playing the way it does. This feels like a tie cats win, and I know that. And I got this from 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 someone on Twitter last week. It seems that any time I I'm low on the cats, they win, and every time I'm high on them, they lose. So I should I and I and I'm, I'm almost tempted to be like I'm just going to pick against them the rest of the year 
sacrifice right. my own win loss record to the to the greater good. But this does really feel like with everything going the way it's going, the the Thai Cats should probably win this game. Yeah, I think they should too. You know, take take away William Stanback, take away the run game, and make Vernon Adams, you know, beat us with with the passing game um, because. He, like we talked about, he seems to make those mental mistakes, the big mental mistakes that those turnovers. So if we take away, you know, one of their best players and William Stanback, uh, I think we should have a good chance to win this game. Yeah. And with the Argos on a bye week, this will give the Cats to take, get legitimate sole possession of first place in the division. So I just think it's, um, it's there for the taking. I, I again, it all, a lot will depend on, on health. I'll, I'll feel more confident if we know more guys are coming yeah. back. Um, obviously, we're recording this on a Monday. We don't know what the roster will look like come Saturday afternoon. But if the Ticats are a more healthy unit and there's, they're, they're not pulling anyone off on defense, this feels like uh, feels like a double-digit victory for the Tabbies. Yeah, and if, if, if it's David Watford again and we're running that same offense... I think uh, they can win with that too, but I think it'll be closer. If, if that's the case, I think it'll be closer, but I still think they can win with that offense. I still think they can too, but yeah, it, it'll be, um, you know, a lot harder uh, to, to grab the victory. But but I do believe that Jeremiah Mazzoli will be back. And I, you know, Brandon Addison, hopefully. Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, I've heard them say, like, if this was, you know, even the game two weeks ago, they said, if it was a playoff if it was an game. emergency, yeah. if there was a playoff game, Jeremiah Mazzoli would be able to start. But um, I'm glad they arrested him for as long as they could. And, and hopefully he comes back and we can see some. Some vintage Jeremiah Mazzoli do his thing. Yeah, and like we're a few weeks away from Dane Evans being back and ready to go. Like what looked like potentially and, a and what happens, you know? That's the happens. that you know what we will cross that bridge when we get there, sir, because that is an interesting discussion to have. We uh, mm-hmm. I think we we fairly and rightfully thought Evans had 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 won the job with the way he had played. Uh, but, it, then, but then what if Mazzoli comes in and he? That's just it. Know, what if Mazzoli comes in and starts up? lighting it up? Yeah, it's it's. It's a definitely a, a difficult situation to, to get, you never know. Like it, that, it, it's the good problem to have, is it not? Where you have two mm-hmm. guys that you can yeah. rely on, and as we've seen in this league again this year, you need multiple yeah. quarterbacks to succeed. How many teams have we seen? I think it's just Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and BC that haven't started multiple quarterbacks. Uh, this uh, have mm-hmm. oh wait, has Montreal? No, Adams has played every game. So half of the league has started at least two different quarterbacks. Ottawa's on like what their third, I think, this week. So, yeah. it's uh, you need two quarterbacks in this league to be successful, and uh, when you have two of the, as dumb as this sounds, probably two of the top, definitely two of the top ten, probably two of the top mm-hmm. six on on your roster. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, we're just gonna. It's gonna be an interesting second half of the season. You know, we got through this first half. Um, hey, it was interesting and. In, uh, in uh, you know a non-interesting way, I suppose you could say, mm-hmm. um, just with the you know the lackluster play on offense and all that stuff. But uh, you know, I th- think going into the second half of the season, we're going to see some fireworks on offense. I-, I really hope I'm right on that. I hope so too. I guess I just want to see the guys get healthy because I think once this yeah. team is at full strength, they're no matter I they they can beat anybody I think and unfortunately mm-hmm. we don't get to see them against Winnipeg again until a potential Grey Cup matchup um, but they do get they do get BC and they do get Saskatchewan again and and they're late in the year so hopefully by then everyone's healthy the Ticats are kind of rolling at full steam 
Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they match up because both those games are in Hamilton. So it'll be very interesting to see how they match up in those two contests. Uh, be a good barometer for where we stand going into the playoffs, I think. Because I think this team, I think yeah. it's, it, and I, I think you agree with me, th- this team's going to the playoffs, right? Like whether they win the East and finish first or they're, they're going to the playoffs and probably hosting a play. I can't see them slip into third and East. Can you? No, I, I don't think so. And I, I, I'm not sure there's going to be a crossover team this year too. I don't know as either. Well, so, I mean, there could be. Um, it could happen again. But uh, on with the way that Edmonton and Calgary are performing right now, um, you know, it could be three teams from the East getting in the playoffs. And you know, I'd like to see that. It's it'd be a nice change from you know the past. It seems like forever, 15 years that uh, there's been a crossover team. So, uh, yeah, I see the Hamilton Tiger Cats making the playoffs for sure. I just don't think. With the talent on this team, with this defense, with this coaching staff, with the, you know, the injuries starting to come back, I I can't see a scenario where the Tiger Cats would fall off, and end up missing the playoffs. Yeah, and if they end up finishing first in the East, they are playing in the Grey Cup at home. That's uh, they're not going to lose the East final at home. They just I don't care. Who we'll they see. Play. We'll see. We'll see. No, I'm I'm. There's no we'll see for me. There's no there's no chance. They're not they're not going to lose. Well, a- We'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. You want to bet? You want to bet on Orlando Steinhardt losing at home? It hasn't happened yet. No. No. no definitely not. <laughs> I know. You got to be. I understand. I'm the idiot that said 14 and 0. So what do I know? <laughs> I should have went with my seven and seven. God dang it. That's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, right now they'd finish eight and six, and I think that this this back half of the schedule looks a little too forgiving for them to go four and three down the stretch. I mean, there's the potential for for three losses here. I guess if they. Lose to the Argos, lose. I mean, if they end the season on a three-game losing streak, Jesus Christ, that'd be terrible. But those last three games are probably their most difficult three games of of the rest of the season. I gotta think they're gonna at least win one of them. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't see this team finishing at five hundred. I think they they finish with I think the the very bottom of the barrel is eight wins. Um, I I think ten I think ten is possible. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I could see, I could see ten, and that would just be off my prediction of eleven. So, um, I could say I was close, if not right on. Closer, closer than I was, because I said fourteen. <laughs> um, all right, that was Pot's for this week. I'm Josh Smith, and I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.